Hello everyone and welcome to On The Mend. I'm Matt Willis and in this series I'm going to be looking into the world of mental health, addiction and recovery and how people get through hard times. My guest today is the DJ, writer and Instagram curator, Fat Tony. Tony has had an incredible career, you know, it's spanning I reckon about four decades now. He was there at the very, very beginning of the dance scene in the UK and he was kind of responsible really for kind of how big that became. You know, he's a massive, massive face in dance music. Tony is now 16 years clean and sober, which is absolutely remarkable. I mean, you're going to hear his story. And when the kind of typical person thinks of a drug addict, you know, Tony was that. You know, he was kind of, he was as far down as you could go. He had no teeth. He weighed nothing and was a complete and utter, what people would call a lost cause. But he did it. You know, he went there, he put the work in and became the man that we love today. I love chatting with him. He's one of those people that I felt like I could chat to every day and laugh my ass off and also get incredibly inspired by. Here is DJ Fat Tony. Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm good. Are, are you, you good? good, mate? You look great. I'm actually really good, yeah. I'm really you, good you've had a bit, of a, a bit of a morning. It was one of those mornings that it was just literally pouring with rain. So that kind of sums it up my morning. Right. And it's either everything's always really good. And then the day that I have something really bad, everything goes wrong. It's one of those. Right. Yeah, it's right. all good. How quick are you, um, how good are you at kind of um, going, okay, oh, don't let that ruin the whole day? It would have normally ruined the whole month. Yeah. Uh, but now it's kind of just a momentary thing. For me now, I kind of just laugh at it afterwards. You know, it's like went to the vet's this morning didn't have the paperwork so i had to go all the way back in the rain with the puppy and it was just like one of those things and then i went into my dressing room and the dress the one of the clothes rails collapsed in the middle and i was like oh my god (laughs) and then that was it and then i spoke to a friend on the phone and it just took the power out of it yeah you know i i I turn it around really quick these days Yeah. yeah i don't allow it to completely dominate me anymore i used to yeah me too me too. I kind of um, I have little strategies and things that I can do to kind of sort my shit out. I mean, sometimes I'm a fucking moody prick though for a while, you know, <laughs> and I don't notice it. You know, I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, I've been a fucking arsehole for seven hours. Well, you know what it is for me. I've just discovered caffeine and in a yeah. big way, and that I've realised that it doesn't really agree with me. Right. And the last few weeks, I've been really, really irritated by everything. Right. And and I worked it out. I mean, I, I work it out on a daily basis, but I worked it out, and I was thinking okay, I've had three coffees today and I've had also having ketones, which have got caffeine in them. That's yeah. an awful lot of caffeine. So basically I'm, I'm, I'm running on adrenaline and yeah. anxiety. Yeah. And that puts, that, that does something to my brain, which I can't cope with. So I, I get really snappy. Right. So I've just had to monitor about how much caffeine I'm having. I mean, that that's such a fucking, um, I mean, uh, mate, First of all, I've read your book. I've listened to the audio book, which I advise people to do. I mean, I've just got the copy of the book in front of me right now, and the pictures are incredible. Like, um, it's such a, honestly, mate, it's a fucking brilliant book. Thank you so much. It's fantastic. You know, it's really weird because it's not like, I I explained this to someone the other day, you know, uh, I can't believe the success of it at all. Because it's so, you know, I, I suffer with imposter syndrome. So for me, when someone comes up and tells you they love your book, it, before it would really affect me. And I think, oh, what they after? They don't love that at all. Yeah. They lie. But the, over the summer, it, 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 that book's changed my life. Yeah. It's changed my life in Amazing. so many levels. Because everything in that book is is the stuff that I carried around with me that destroyed my life. Yeah. The shame of everything there's there's so much shame attached to the the stories in that book but by writing them and letting go of them and now you know when people come up to you at the airport and i mean throughout the summer i was flying three or four times a week and i would get six seven people come up to me in queues at the airport or whatever and say oh my god i've just read your book and i really love it and just then you know i'm not david williams and i've written a a gangster granny or i suppose it's a bit like gangster granny really (laughs) but you know, it's not a children's book where I've written a fictional book, like a non-fiction book, like, like you know, The Gruffalo. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, people are reading my trauma. Absolutely. And they're yeah. understanding my trauma. So when they come up and say, oh, I've read your book and I really loved it, it's kind of like, wow, that's my trauma. Everything, all my shame, they've read my shame. They know everything about me. Yeah, yeah. And you and you can own that and you can take power in it. Mm, it's you know? really, 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 really an amazing experience, the fact that, 
I no longer have that stuff around. Yeah. I'm not carrying that with me anymore. And it's, yeah. you know, yeah, it's just I mean, really there's a, there's a thing. There's a thing in, um, I mean, I remember when um, I was talking to a sponsor I had yeah. about kind of, um, uh, I mentioned like, this was a long time ago about drinking drugs and it came mm. up in an interview and I talked about it and it fucking went everywhere and it was like just Daily Mail bullshit. Mm. And I was like, I really regretted it and I fucking felt shame and all this kind of stuff again. And he was like, you shouldn't air that really. You should keep that, you know, within the rooms and keep that within the thing. And then it took me a long time to actually go, well, look, people are fucking talking you, about me anyway. But you know what, Matt? You I know? don't agree with I don't yeah. agree with yeah. what he had to say. I think that the more we talk about it, the more we put it out there, yeah. and the more we show people that there is a different way to life and that you are happy without those substances in yeah. us that we thought gave us happiness, because they don't. They give yeah. us nothing but heartache and despair. Yeah. And I think the more people know that people like you and I and millions of other people around the world live their best lives because they are the things they don't do instead yeah. of the things they do. Yeah. It, it, it's a blessing. I think that, you know, the old school mentality of like, oh, are you a friend of Bill's and all of that yeah. old rubbish from the 90s. That, that, was, that served a purpose at the time, Absolutely, right? yeah. You know, it, it's, it no longer serves that purpose. Yeah. I think that... You know, yes, anonymity is a really, really important thing in yep. certain levels, and to, and because and we live, yeah, because yeah. we live in a world that's not not that accepting of anything. Yeah. We think we we live in a really accepting world, but we don't. Yeah, but I think the more that we bring it to the table, and the more that we talk about it, mm. takes the power out of it for other people, and then people think, oh my god, I did that, I yeah. do that, that's yeah. me, and then they the more people relate. I mean, we spent our lives living under a stone in addiction. I don't think, yeah. I think the more that you come out from underneath that stone and say, hey, I'm here and this is how it works. Completely. It's a really important thing. Yeah. yeah I think that just, um, it just feeds into that shame cycle, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, the more we kind of hide. And, and, and from my personal experience, and I'm sure you've probably had the same, when I have talked about it, I've owned that narrative. Yeah. I've kind of, I've only had positive experiences 100%. from it. And the people that I talk to because of it are yeah. inspiring you know, like it's um, you, it's reaching people. You you know, the thing is, when we have skeletons, they mm. they tend to pop out. Yeah. You know, and they and they will pop out, and people kind of like to use use them against us. Yeah. And I think that the more you get rid of those skeletons, and the more it's out there, no one can say anything. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of what I've done with this book is that I don't have. There's not one secret I don't have. Yeah. I don't You've have. You've definitely a not held back. No. I, yeah, yeah. You know, what was the point of? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. My yeah. publisher was like, "Oh, you know, you're, it's a really honest book. It's like the most honest book we've ever read." And I was like, "That's me. That's where I need to be. It needs to be honest, 100 yeah. percent honest." You know, there's stuff in there that I would, I, I lay awake at six o'clock in the morning and thinking, "Why have you put that in the book? Why have you done that?" Yeah. And those are the, those things that I lay awake worrying about are the things that people have accepted the most. And I've got to say, thank you for them. Because because I, I resonated so much with so many of them, you know, and it's um, you know, what I really got from it um a lot of the time was that kind of like I felt it in your writing, which was that kind of battle between ego and self hatred, mm. you know, which is kind of such um I think is entrenched in so many addicts, you know, mm -hmm. that I meet, especially in the kind of circles that I'm mixed in. That kind of that kind of ego is out of control, but underneath it is a level of complete self-hatred. Because ego comes from fear and, and yeah. it's it, it's completely fear-based. And, and 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 when we live in fear, we overcompensate in other areas. So we yeah. kind of like want everyone to, to like us. Yeah. And there's a real difference between wanting people to like us and wanting people to love us. You know, yeah. I spent a whole lifetime of people wanting people to like me. Yeah. Because I was scared of love and I was scared of intimacy. I was scared of anyone knowing the real me. Yeah. So I would put on this... I used to like describe it as like lighting five little bonfires around the big bonfire in the middle to make smoke screen, you know, to hide the fact what really was going on. Yeah. I would cause drama over in that corner, drama in that corner, make this lot cry, all just so that no one could ever get to really know me. Yeah. I, I didn't know me. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and completely, it's, yeah, yeah. And, and I just think, you know, that, that fear that we have really brings out the worst in us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. we overcompensate. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I used to be able to walk into a room, make everyone cry, and then leave and think, "Oh, job well done." Do yeah. you know what I mean? I yeah. used to think, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you completely annihilated everyone. Well done." Yeah. Now go, you can go out for a three day binge. You know that's 
kind of that was the norm because what, I was so scared. Think, what, so, so you think that was um, that was that was scared of people seeing you seeing the real coping you. mechanisms. They yeah. were like learnt behaviours that kind of like got me. They, you know, it was survival. It really was. Life was not. It wasn't life as having the best life to, uh, that I could have possibly had. I was surviving. It was a yeah. survival technique. All of that bitchiness. All of that drama and all of those fires all those fires that i let were all for one reason one reason only smoke screens because i didn't know who i was so i wasn't going to let anyone else know who i was yeah yeah and when like, I, I can i can relate to that so much because you know i kind of um the thought of someone actually loving me oh you know i was like fucking I, yeah, can I, you imagine <laughs> I, I, I physically hate me most of the time you know mm. so so to like me great because then i've got yeah that. You know, and yeah, I can 100%. fucking use you or, or I can get something from this situation um, and I can or people can um, forgive the bad shit about me, you know, because they like me. But to actually love me, you know, it I used like, to go oh. from liking to pity, liking to pity. I used to yeah. love the pity one as well. You know, I used to tell yeah. people like my dad had died so that people go, oh, he's in that state because he's just lost his dad. And when you told the same group of people that your dad's died six times, it kind of wears a bit thin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I used to go, oh, that's my stepdad. And I'm just making up lie on lie on lie. And, you know, I used to like all the time, if you told me you you loved me, I would run a mile. If you told, come yeah. up to me and start an argument and told me how much of a wanker I was, I'd take you on holiday. Yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. like, it was like that because I didn't know how to accept that. I never loved myself. Mm. So I couldn't, I couldn't take on love from anyone else. Yeah. But because I hated myself so much, if you come up to me and you, you show me any sort of hatred or, or any, or negative attention, I would thrive on that. Yeah. Because that's all I knew. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's really when we started writing this book. I could remember all the bad things that happened in my life, but I could never remember the good. Yeah. It's so yeah. bizarre. Honestly, yeah. if you go, when were you really happy? And I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know it was really hard to remember that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the moment that, I mean, you start the book with it and you go back to it mm. about when your boyfriend comes in and says and looks at you with compassion and kind of asks if you're like, what's, yeah. what, happened what happened to you? Yeah. What happened to you? And like, that was the moment where, um, like people talk about rock bottoms and things, but that maybe do you think that was what it was? Someone I think, looked at you and saw and showed you love. It, it was. That's yeah. exactly what it was. It was that there was no judgment. There was, yeah. it, you know, the the years and years and years that I was with him, uh, and the amount of damage and trauma that I caused him. I mean, I did anything yeah. you could possibly do to a human being. I did it. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, it was a two-way street. It wasn't yeah. just me being this abusive partner because yeah. we were he was another he was in addiction himself. Mm. So but the relationship was so far gone in, in any shape or form. All we had was the fact that he loved me and I loved him. Yeah. In some strange way. Yeah. And that night when he came in and he shouldn't have been there. He, should, he was barred from that club for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, which is really weird because it's across the road from where we're recording now. Is it really? Yeah, that wow. Was, the cross was there. Yeah. Um, and oh, where course, Tom Dixon is. It's where right. Tom Dixon shopped. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, the, it was just, it was a God-given moment. He, it was like he was, he shouldn't have been there. And, and he, you know, he put his hand and it always makes me want to cry because it was that moment that the pilot light went back on. Yeah. It was like suddenly, oh, my God. What have I been doing for 28 years? Yeah. Literally. You felt, you felt something. Yeah. You know, it, when you smoke really, really, really strong, like, uh, like, uh, spliff and you're like that, you close your eyes and the whole room's rushing through you. It was like that moment. It was kind of like, right. I, it really was. And I, I just broke down into tears and I left and I was like, we've got to get out of here. And that, that was it. That was the, the start of, me finding a new way of life. It really was, you know, it was actually the start of me finding a life. Yeah. Because I had no life. It was survival. For, for the last 10 years, I'd hit rock bottom 10 years before. Yeah. And I literally, every day, you know, for the last two years of that time, I all I ever thought about was dying on a daily basis. Yeah. I didn't think about life. I didn't think about, oh, where are we going on holiday? Because, mm. people, you know, there's a bit in the book where we say people like us don't go on holiday. People like yeah. us don't travel. And, you know... um, and we don't. Mm. It's not only until we make that decision, uh, and it's it it has to be our decision. No one else's. You Absolutely. Know, yeah. When people go, oh, we're doing interventions, and yeah. I'm like, don't. 
Don't because yeah. what you're going to do is you're, all you're going to do is pour petrol on it and it's going to go underground and it's going to mm. be much worse for everyone. Yeah. And the person, especially the person you're trying to do the intervention on. Yeah. And I get it. But, you know, it has to be our decision to change. Yeah. Otherwise, we're never going to change. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because it's so funny what you said. You had you, you, you hit your rock bottom 10 years previously mm. because there's so many times when people would turn to me and kind of go, well, that's obviously a rock bottom. You know, <laughs> he's gonna fucking stop there. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I hit that fucking rock over and yeah, over yeah. and over again. You yeah, know, and it's yeah. kind of um, and it's that it's that one moment that suddenly you feel that Honestly, it's time man. to change. Yeah, and all yeah. it can take is literally, a, a f like a, a, a one sentence of what happened to you. That's what changed yeah. my life. Yeah, because there was a there was no judgment in him when he put his hand on my shoulder and said that, and I just looked at him and I looked up and I just was like. And I couldn't answer the question, and it makes yeah. me want to cry now because it yeah, was like me too. It was like it was like just it was just the right time at the right place, and the, and you know it 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 really it 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 just changed my life because it it kind of just it, there was no I'm getting you know emotionally I, it, it, there was no there was no there was no hatred there was just nothing but pure love yeah. And it yeah. really made me realize that I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. Mm. I, I, I kind of like tricked myself. My addiction had got the bear of me and made me think, because that's what addiction does. It wants us dead. It wants us in a room rocking backwards and forwards, pulling exactly. our teeth out. Yeah. And it had me. I'd done all that. Yeah. You know, and I literally was, there was, I was on that thin line between life and death. I yeah. really was. I would, at that point in time, I would sleep probably once a week. And when I did go to sleep, I would sleep in the recovery position because I knew that I probably wouldn't wake up. And if I did choke on my on my vomit or any of those things, because there were so many times when I woke up choking on vomit and yeah. all of those things that go with it, with what we do to mm. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, man. It's um, it's it's the the word trauma. Mm. I think is um is something which is kind of being talked about a lot more right now. Thank God. You know, thank God, right? Because mm. um, because even when I was early in recovery, like when I read the the literature that I was given, I was kind of stuff, I never really heard the word pain yeah. in any of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, you know, on, on like in the steps and stuff, you can do things yeah. that can work on these things. And if you're with a great sponsor, they can point out moments for you. But when you, if you're not in that and you're just reading it, I never really addressed that, mm. you know, and I think... Um, you know, and the stuff I'm reading now about trauma, like, because because sometimes I'd sit and I'd talk to people and I'd go, well, why the fuck are you a fucking mess? Because you've had a lovely life, you know, and you've got great parents and blah, blah, blah. You know, but sometimes trauma isn't something that happens to you. It can be something that didn't happen enough or it can be something... Oh, it's so many different levels to it. Yeah, there's so many different levels to it. You know, I think um, um, the moment I... I'm not ashamed to say it. I was, I was on um, in my car driving back from the theatre the other night and I was really crying listening to you talk about your dad oh, you know it was um it was the most beautiful honest kind of it's probably one of the best chapters in the book it really it really for me, is it really is amazing i wrote we wrote that and then we stopped and i went back to it and said i need to change it right because there was so you know the book took two and a half years to write for a reason because mm. it wasn't it wasn't an easy write yeah. and you know you know, and th and there were bits where I had we'd written it, and with Mikey and we'd sat down and we'd written it, and then we'd, it'd go away, and then two months later we'd read it again, and I'd be like, no, no, that needs to come out, that needs to change, yeah, because that's not how, you know, that's how I see it, and I want people to see it. That's not the truth, right? Do you right. know what I mean? And how did you find that truth? I found that truth from actually, literally doing trauma therapy. Right. I went and found this amazing therapist that was recommended to me by my sponsor, funnily enough, because yeah. he'd been through some recent trauma in a relationship. And he said, oh, going to this woman. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Because, you know, when we started writing the book and we got to the abuse chapter, because, you know, for people that haven't read the book and they're, at the age of 10, I, I, I was abused, but it wasn't a, a, like a one-off thing. It happened for four years. It went on yeah. for, and, you know, um, when we, where, and I always felt that I dealt with it because <laughs> yeah. I didn't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go. It's dealt with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would put that one to bed. And, and that wasn't the case. You know, I'd never dealt with it. And so thinking that, how would have I dealt with it? I was a 10-year-old to 14-year-old. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I, it, it, what it did to me was it, it, 
it turned it, it made me turn a different corner in my life and it sexualized me at a really young age which became my first drug of choice sex yeah. became what drove me it kind of made me give me it gave me a purpose mm. it allowed me to get things out of people and manipulate it was it it was it probably you know, one of the worst drugs out of all of them is being sex for me. Yeah. Because it's always been the one that I never talked about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my stuff. Yeah, yeah especially. Yeah, and then exactly. when I got clean at, at 41, I wasn't going to let go of that one. I'm in my prime. Yeah. I'm a gay man. I'm 41. I'm in my prime. I ain't Absolutely. Gonna let go. It's okay something. to be having sex with seven people a day. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Because I wasn't. it wasn't about the sex. It was about the destruction. Right. So, you know, at that young age, when we got to write that chapter, I was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And literally an hour in, I got really ill. Uh, I started vomiting and I was like shaking. And I thought I had COVID and I was like, oh, we need yeah. to stop, you need to go. Uh, I went and laid down that evening. I was so ill, but I could smell him. Wow. I could oh smell God, him. Mate. That night I dreamt <sighs> about him and uh, he was in the room and I could smell him I could see him and it, and what it did do was it brought it all to the surface and I was ill for about a week mm. and it wasn't COVID it wasn't anything it yeah. was the trauma absolutely it was the it was it was the trauma to come back and so I, I went and found this woman who basically you know she had me sitting on the floor cross-legged drawing with crowns and what it does is it opens up this other part of the brain that we don't allow ourselves to use so me talking about stuff. Well, I will only tell you what my well. I will go as far as it's like yeah. so far. But when you start to color and you start to draw, and it, it opens up the brain about things that we've forgotten about. Yeah, it was it was it was a remarkable experience. Yeah, and, I've heard you know, about this. Like yeah. someone else was talking to me about this kind of therapy, and it really worked, and it really helped me. And and you know that's why I was able to carry on with that chapter. Yeah, and write that stuff. You know. And it's very graphic, you know. It's not. I, I don't. I don't skate around anything. I go yeah. in with everything, you know, um, because that's how I see it, and yeah. it's, it has to be that truthful. Do you do know you, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think? Um, do you think you would have been able to to have gone there and to to have recounted those situations so well if you hadn't have done no, that therapy? Hundred percent not. Do you think it unlocked the past a bit? hundred percent. And what it did do, it, it eased it up and took away that shame because all of that stuff I, I blame myself for. I was made I you yeah. know it was I was taught to believe it was all me and my own doing. Yeah. And you know, I've always had a problem with money. I've always regarded money as like a an easy come and easy go thing because yeah. I was getting paid for sex when I was a kid. And mm. you know, it it it's never all of those things have just always been with me, yeah. and I've always carried that that that, and it's you know that shame that's attached to it, and you know I, I think I talked about the the abuse once in like my whole lifetime, which was when I told my mum. I told right. I told a friend when I was in Ibiza, when I was about sixteen, about it. My friend Gabby and we we talked about it, and that was it. Put to bed. Mm. I thought that was me dealing with it by talking about it. Then I told my mum one Tuesday morning when she came to my house and I was on a come down. Yeah. And and I don't know why it came out. I think I obviously wanted her to feel sorry for me. I probably was trying to manipulate money out of her at the yeah. time. And I told her and it kind of rocked her world. And then she went into that place of, oh, she should have known. And it, it just opened yeah. the whole. And so we, that went on for about a year of, I should have known, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's get him arrested. And I said, mummy's dead. We checked already. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it just, it's really, it, that was me dealing with it mm, <laughs> and yeah. I hadn't dealt with it. So I think by doing the trauma therapy, it, it allowed me to get to a point where I had self-compassion. Yeah. And it's really important because I didn't have self-compassion before. I didn't know what that was. You know, yeah. I didn't have compassion for myself. People think, oh, feeling sorry for yourself. That's not compassion. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, that's yeah, having that's, a bad day. Pity, yeah. yeah, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. Uh, the opposite end of the spectrum. And, you know, to find that compassion and that forgiveness mm. for the things that I've done and the things I've said and the things that I should have said, you yeah. know, or I shouldn't have done and should, you know, so on, so on, is a really remarkable thing because mm. you have to get to a point where you let go of it. 
Yeah. You let go of it. Yeah. You know, it's no, it no longer serves me. It no longer serves to carry those 16 caravans attached yeah. to my cockpit of, yeah. of shame. And, yeah. and you know, I, I no wonder I was like the person I was mm. when I was carrying that stuff around with me. Yeah. I carried that from relationship to relationship to relationship. Yeah. The worst person in the world to be in a relationship with because yeah. I wasn't, I couldn't even have a relationship with myself. So I was hardly going to have a relationship with you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think, um, uh, and, and during those times, did you think about that? Or was that just, um, did that just form who you were? And because like there's moments of my, like reading that chapter specifically, just showed me some shit that I haven't fucking dealt mm. with. And I've never really looked at it. And it really kind of spoke to me and made me go, right, you got fucking, you still got some fucking serious work to do. You know, and um, and and I I kind of put some stuff to rest in my head in a way. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, maybe that might be some reason why I react this way mm. to certain things and sex and things. Yeah, you know, like I'm 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 probably still carrying some of that shit of around course me. We are, you know? and, and I'd kind of forgotten about a lot of it, or thought I put it to rest. So, did you when you were in those relationships and you were kind of and and sex was such um, it, it was being used in a problematic way for you? Do you think you were you were subconsciously thinking about that or do you think it just formed who you were? Oh, it formed who I was. Yeah. It became who I was. Mm. You know, that's who I was. You know, take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, buy, you, I'll buy you everything you need yeah. so that I can act, react in that areas and right. act out in those areas because that's who I was. That was in my wiring. Yeah. And I used yeah. to tell myself, oh, I'm never going to change because that's the way I'm wired. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not true. Do you Absolutely, know what I mean? It, yeah. They were learnt behaviours. Mm. They were coping mechanisms. They yeah. were, you know, it, sex for me. And when people tell me, they go, oh, my husband's a sex, a sex addict. And I get loads of those messages all the time. Mm. He's having an affair. I'm like, he's not a sex addict. Yeah. Sex addicts don't have affairs. Yeah. You know, that's intimacy. Yeah. Sex addiction isn't about intimacy. It's the opposite end. Yeah. You know, it's about, it's so, it, you know, it's a destructive behavior. Yeah. It's like saying, oh, you know, he's having a good time when he's jacking up three times a week on heroin. He's not having a good time. He's he's, he's doing it to survive. Absolutely. And yeah. that's where sex takes you to exactly the same place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, and I, I, I okayed it. I, you know, that's who I was, and you fell in love with me. You, this is who I am. Yeah. And that's not who I was. That was that. You know, it was just another branch of my addiction, mm. a very destructive branch. And because I'd had it since I was ten years of age. Yeah. And never discussed it with anyone. I allowed that to completely bubble away under the surface. And your first sexual experiences, you know, so it's like it's like it's like that forms every then encounter you have. 100%. You know, so it's... Um, you know, I'm a worthless piece of shit. Yeah. That's what my head would tell me, you know. Yeah. So what if you have sex with six different random people in a day? Mm. But, you know, sex for me was like having a glass of water. Yeah. You know, I, I used to describe it as like having pizzas delivered six times and still being hungry at six o'clock. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what it was like. It was just like, you know, okay. And then when it came to having sex with my partner and it was intimate, I couldn't do it. Yeah, because I was so in that other in that other field. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like that. I was so in that whole destructive space. Let alone try and be loving with someone that mm. I did actually love, but yeah. was scared to. I'd allowed all of the, all of that other stuff to take over. So because there was never any room for it. Sex meant something completely different to you. Hundred percent. Yeah, it wasn't that. Hundred percent. You know, no. um, that must be such a, you know, it's, I suppose it's like. You know, drinking drugs in a way we can't ever touch them again. But sex is something which you can do in an intimate way, which can mean something different. Yeah. You know, but is it is it still um is it still a worry for you? Is it still a no? I, I kind of think you know it, it's always going to be there. But you know, the thing yeah. about it is, I, I've I've got to this point in my life where I'm in the most transparent relationship I've ever been in, yeah. and there's no secrets. Amazing. There's no secrets. Yeah. He, I, the person I'm with now, Stavi, he, I met him 11 years ago. Yeah. I was living at Boy George's house at the time. And the rule was no boys were allowed in the house when George was there. Well, it was meant for you the whole time, but right. you know, <laughs> when you weren't there, it was like a revolving door, right. basically. And um, 
So anyway, I'd arranged to meet him and he he came to meet me. We'd been chatting on some, what, some one random old old school app. Yeah. I think it was like Gaydar or something like that or Manhunt. And uh, back in the ye olde days. And uh, he came to meet me and I met him at the tube station. I was like, oh, no, you can't come to the house. My flatmate's back. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I've traveled two and a half hours to get here because he was at uni. And I was like, I'm yeah. really sorry, dude. And he was like, I said, but you know what? I know a really good bush on the heath. So yeah. off we went to this bush on the heath yeah. and I had sex, whatever. And then the next day I rang him and I said, oh, do you want to go out for dinner with me? And he said, no, fuck off. Right. And I was like, oh, well, that's not very nice, is it? So do you know what I mean? But, you know, the thing was, he was just discovering his own drug addiction, like getting into drugs. Yeah. I was sober. Yeah, but still acting out sexually in that in that area. So he vibed off of my, you know, you know, to be an active addiction doesn't mean I have to be putting a needle in my arm or snorting loads of coke. It, yeah. it, 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 it moves into so many different other areas. Yeah. So people pick up on that. They're, they're attracted to your illness, whether yeah. it be food, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be sex or shopping, we're attracted to the illness and not the yeah. person. So that's what happened there. And so I didn't see him. And then I met, I was in a relationship with my ex-partner for eight years and it broke down two years ago um, in a really bad way, like a really severely bad way because I'd been acting out mm. throughout the relationship. I'd taken every every learnt behaviour into this relationship. Yeah. He picked up on it. He, of course, I picked another addict yeah. like I always did. You know, like 2,000 people in the room, I'll find the one with a broken arm. Yeah. That's the one I want. You said that you're still attracted to a pigeon with a broken wing. Oh, always am. That's the fucking always. best saying, by the way. I but I that. am. You know, yeah. I want to fix them. I want to yeah. change them. I want to caretake them. Yeah. You know, it's got a lot better. I, I kind of like have boundaries around it now. Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, I met him again. Mm. I met him on an app and he, he was in a bad way and he came to see me and we became friends. And then the relationship blossomed from there. And it was just like, it's been the most amazing experience for me because I don't have secrets. I've never been in a relationship where I don't have secrets. Yeah. I've never been in a relationship where I'm not cheating. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I got to this point where it's just like, it's, I've never been happier. Yeah. And that's I can really, tell, man. it really is that my mum came to see me the other week and she was like, I'm so, so happy that you are so happy and i was like oh mom she went, that, yeah. she went i can just see it in everything you do in your in your face everything and i was like yeah. it's true i am i i kind of like i'm you know i don't have any fear around this relationship yeah i don't think that he's going to run off with someone else i don't think that i i'm not trans trans you know uh transferring my 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 fears and my drama onto him so therefore yeah. i'm not checking his phone thinking he's cheating on me because i'll be the one that was cheating yeah i would transfer that onto that relationship you know the other yeah. person well if i'm doing it he must be doing it yeah well i don't know it's 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 remarkable to yeah. be in a relationship where that doesn't go on anymore yeah what the hell and i suppose to 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 normal people yeah that's what a relationship is but for people like us it's like it's like wow this is like this yeah. is alien it and, really is and, alien and and that's what makes it so special you know it's like wow this is fucking ah, totally. you know, this is incredible yeah it's yeah. funny you know and it's like it, yeah i'm just blessed when it comes to that for me it's uh it's the cherry on the cake of life really i've got yeah. to a point in my life where i'm just i'm just happy 99 percent of the time yeah She's, what the fuck's that about? Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, it's man. kind of insane, yeah, isn't it? That's so great. And I'll take that 1%. You know it that. It can be fucking scan. It can be horrible. You know, yeah, like you the, know But that. the 1% is only 1% instead of 99%. And it does, you know, and it used to be the other way around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I would transfer that onto everyone around me. If I was having a bad day, everyone had a bad day. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like that anymore. You know, my mm. mood swings. Yeah, I'm human, man, of course. You know, I can get annoyed by the most stupidest of things and I still react. I am a reactor and not an actor. Yeah. So I will react to everything. But that reaction gets is much shorter now than yeah. it used to be. I'd react yeah. and I'd be like, oh, I'm really sorry. Great. Five minutes later, I'd be like, I'm really sorry for what I just did. Instead of it being yeah. five months later. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or never. Oh, never. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not apologising to him. He can fuck off. That, yeah, that, that exactly. was my theory yeah, yeah. and everything. Do you yeah, know yeah. What yeah. You know, I think it's um, uh, you know, back to um, back to the, back to the book. Yeah. Really quickly. Um, 
writing this book, you said it took two and a half years. Mm. Um, how hard was that to kind of revisit these moments? Because I was, I was reading this going, this must have been so hard for you to have kind of gone there and gone back there. Mm. Um, was it... Um, could you look back at those moments? Because you've got such a fucking great sense of humour. You know, and it's so brilliant to hear. Because cause I think people have this kind of opinion of 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 sober life in a yeah. way. as being fucking boring and oh, you, know, you sit no. in church halls and eat broken biscuits. And, I don't do that. You know, exactly. You know, and you really fucking don't. And going back to these moments in your life which are chaotic and like you 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 can't quite believe they're happening. No. But you do believe it. You know, and it's like and it, and 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 what was that like? Was it was it was it revisiting these moments? Was it was it was it really hard to hard to do? Oh, it was, it was extremely hard to do, and it was extremely painful. And it, it kind of just that's why I think it took two and a half years because there needed to be respite. There needed to be bits yeah. where I was like, oh, and then we'd go back to it because, as I said before, my truth is my truth, but it's not necessarily the truth. Yeah. So you know what we did was we went and, and so there's so many stories in the book uh, that are stories about me and not about other people. It's, you, need yeah. to, you know, because people thought I was going to write a book about everyone else. No, it's not it's that. Not, it's definitely not that. You yeah. know, and literally, you know, people are like, oh my God, he's writing a book. And it wasn't like that. Because I bet story, your friends were fucking shitting themselves. Of course they were. Yeah. <laughs> and then the stories are really important, but it's the people aren't. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? absolutely. So there's stories in there, you know, that, that the, um, the, guy that broke into my house this famous actor in america yeah now, that was i met i learned very early on that i'd i'd done a few documentaries one which with, with mixed mag that's been but seen by like seven million people i watched it it's fucking brilliant right yeah well you know in yeah. that i said oh you know i spent over a million pound on coke uh yeah. they suddenly become taglines for life and yeah. uh, you know but freddie mercury gave me my first line of coke yeah they were parts of conversation yeah. They were not taglines. They were not boasting lines. And so I learned very early not to do those kind of like sentences yeah. because this book doesn't need those sentences. It and this book doesn't. doesn't need certain superstar people's names in it to, to sell it. it was, yeah. The stories are important. The people aren't. Yeah. So to go back through that stuff and write it. So what we did was we'd write it and then we'd go back to it and then we'd speak to other people that were involved in those stories and they, they would say, you know, it's really weird. If say there's a group of mates, right? Yeah. And you would go out on a night and you had the best time. You, each one of you would have a different different adaptation of that night. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. you would tell me you were the funniest. Yeah. So-and-so would tell me he was the funniest. He will say, oh, do you remember when I said that? And you'd be like, you didn't say that. That was me that said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that's yeah, yeah. reality. That's Absolutely, how it works. Yeah, yeah. So to try and break all that stuff down and say, yeah. hang on a minute, we actually got the truth, you know. And, yeah. and believe it or not, most of my stories were my were the truth, you know. Yeah. Because, as I said, I always remember the, the pain. I don't remember the happiness. And yeah. so it was really hard. But, you know, we working through it all, it was a nightmare. It really was. And I think, you know, as you said at the beginning of this about me reading it, you know, for the audio book, I think I found that the biggest nightmare. Really? Yeah. I did because I suffer with ADHD and I and also I uh, and I, I I say the wrong word suffer I don't suffer yeah yeah sorry that's the wrong word because yeah, yeah. I I look at it sometimes as as a godsend it's a superpower it really is it yeah, really yeah. is you know I I yeah I forty five minutes and I'm out the door anyway do you know what I mean or yeah. I'm rummaging through your drawers yeah yeah do you know what I mean yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. halfway through a conversation yeah. I'll be like yeah you know so it is a godsend in, in so many ways it's not suffer so but I, I you know my dyslexia is really bad i'll be fine for like a, a half an hour and then i'll start reading six sentences a, a, in advance right. and i read it backwards and i take words it's it's yeah. it's really bad so to re sit in a studio and read it and of course i'd read the book because i wrote it but i, I it, because we did it in such disjointed chapters to sit and read it yeah. from cover to cover was really painful the first I can time. Imagine, yeah, yeah. It was really I, I'd forgotten so much that I'd mm. written, and to sit and read it and know that the rest of the world's going to listen to you reading it. Yeah, it was really hard. Yeah, I mean you can tell it in your voice at times, like you really can. Um, that's what I think. Um, I'm so grateful you didn't get an actor. To oh, I'm because, really grateful as well because it's so brilliantly written in your voice, and to hear you talk about it is, is, <laughs> is so brilliant. And, yeah. and, you know, and no one else could fucking speak like you. you know? <laughs> no one, no one else could say fuck off like you. Yeah, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> but there's so many points in it where I was just like, you know, oh, I'm not doing this anymore today. I'm fucking had enough. I'm going. 
and like throw the iPad on the floor and yeah. like just storm out the studio and then be like, oh. and then the next day the, the, the uh, publisher will go, I'm coming in with you today. And I'm like, I don't fucking need you there. Yeah. Cause it, it, it you know, it, it was painful. Yeah. And that's why. So of course those old behaviors came into play of like yeah. me throwing my toys out the pram. Because you're reading, that's all you're I knew how to do. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And you're reliving them. Totally. Right? And there was bits where I really raced through it. Mm. And then to go, right, stop, stop. Yeah. You're racing. And this is a really important bit. Yeah. Like the uh, abuse chapter or the court case and all of those things that were really traumatic for me. That My dad's chapter was the most painful out of all of it to write because yeah. I blamed him for everything. Yeah. So to read that stuff mm. with like compassion without trying to like feel shame around it. It was yeah. really hard. It was yeah. really, really hard. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do this today. I'll do this tomorrow, please. Yeah. So, you know, and then I'd psych myself up for it all night. I'd think, okay, you can do this. Yeah. This is a really important thing for you to do. Yeah. And it was a be it was a beautiful message. Like that um, that that chapter to me was was so special to 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 listen mm. to. And it was really um because I think that kind of feeds into me and sometimes the stories we tell ourselves can warp so massively over time. Unreal, right? You know, and like we can really, and as an addict, we can blame everybody else for our problems. You know, he, my dad's, <laughs> in the book, I talk about the fact that when he came to me, he said, you deserve everything you get. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you know, yeah. I'm HIV positive and he said he, I deserve it. It wasn't that at all. He was yeah. taking the television out of my house. Exactly. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, but I held on to that, you deserve everything you've got. Yeah for the next 20 years and it just uh, fed uh, honestly you. and blew up and blew yeah. up and i i didn't know who he was mm. I, I i i'd lost all contact with him i still spoke to my mum obviously all the time and then when my court case happened and i was put down there on bail on tag yeah. at 40, uh, like you know at 47 it's like suddenly where are you know you're down with your mum and dad actually no, i was 43 down with your mum and dad in Dungeness, in the middle of winter. Yeah. Not a nice place. It's, it's you know, um, and I just, it was, I got to know him again. Yeah. And, you know, he, I didn't know he was 30 years sober. Yeah, really. All I held on was to the fact that he used to beat my mum up when I was a kid. Yeah. And I held on to that. Yeah. All through life, blaming him for that and blaming yeah. him for this. And my dad, grandfather was an alcoholic, so he's, he's for reason. I'm an alcoholic and... Yeah. You know, and when I told him and I went to him and I got clean and I said to him, Dad, I really need to apologize to you for everything. Yeah. And he told me to fuck off. Yeah. Like, fuck off and come back when you're six years. And yeah. I was like, whoa, yeah. off I go again. How dare yeah. he say that to me? I got clean. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, no, no sort of like fault for the fact that why did he say that? Yeah. And you know what? He was right. Yeah. Because the first six years of my recovery, where I was insane. And it wasn't until I got to six years in that I actually got on my knees and asked for help because I lost everything else again to addiction to, yeah. in another area of to sex addiction. I lost my house. I lost everything again. Yeah. I was homeless at six years. Mm. And it wasn't until that point that I actually surrendered to the fact that I needed help on every level. Yeah. Um, my dad was right. Yeah. He said when he said he'd come back when you're six years and I was like, Whoa. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you're so right. It's like um it's like my wife. I um when when I got um when I got sober I kind of um I was doing my work and I was yeah. like, it was time to make amends and I, I and I chose not to with her. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I was like and because I was like, I don't know what the fuck to say. Like how can I sum up fucking all this shit and say sorry for it? And I thought you know, and like, and I thought you worded it so well when you said that some some things are in your actions. Oh, they all are. You know, you like, know, we to to where we go wrong with the apologies and the uh, to the uh, the sorries. We say yeah. sorry all the way through our addiction. Absolutely, it's the most easiest word that comes out of our mouth. Completely. Yeah. But you know, it it amends means to affix, right? right? So to to make amends. It means to fix something, right? Yeah. And sometimes you don't need to say anything to fix something, right? Yeah. You know, like I, the person I talk about in the book, Johnny, uh, I can't make amends to what I did to him. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can own it. Mm. But, you know, there's certain things that I can do without him knowing because he doesn't talk to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we got friends and then it, we, it went like pear-shaped again. And then, yeah. So we decided, 
you know, my recovery is not to, not to to break those boundaries of trying to be friends with him. I have yeah. to let him live his life. It's not my place. That's why I changed his name in the book. Mm. It's not about him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I didn't want yeah. him to feel that it was about him. I changed his name for various reasons. And, um, you know, he's an artist and I buy his art without him knowing. Yeah. I, you know, and yeah. so that makes his life better. Yeah. And there's certain other men's that I do like that because I can't go to them and say, I'm really sorry because they don't yeah, want to hear it. Exactly. And it's not, and then it's all about you. You know that. And there's, yeah. you know, it's like with the HIV stuff and things like that. I, I do so much work for different charities because I don't need to talk about what I do. Yeah. I just do it because I can't change the past, but I can change the future. Yeah. I can do something today that will help someone tomorrow. Yeah. And that's all that matters. And it's the same when it comes to your wife mm. and your kids and all of that stuff. Do something today and every day that's going to make tomorrow better for them. Yeah. It's the only way that Absolutely. we can do this. And, you know, sometimes those amends are the best amends because we're not getting a pat on the back for them. Yeah. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, how many times have we taken a pat on the back for something else? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, because when someone does praise us and say, thank you, we'll just walk all over them anyway. Yeah. Regardless if we're in recovery or not, we still do it. Mm. You know, we give we when we're given an inch in any area, we turn it into eight. You know, Absolutely. as well us gay men, yeah. on the gay side. You know, yeah. But you know, that's what we do as uh, yeah. as addicts, and you know, that's a learned behaviour that's in all of us. Yeah. And we can sit here and say, "Oh, we don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore." Yes, we do, but we do it in different ways. In absolutely different. We ways, do it in different yeah. ways, and yeah. I always say to my sponsees, you know, whatever you do. In recovery, whatever you used to do in active addiction, you can do in recovery as well. Yeah. If you do it in a positive way. Right. There is no, I, you know, and a lot of people always disagree with me on this one. There is no, you, there is no, you can't in recovery because yeah. you can everything. Yeah, yeah. As long as you do it in a positive, constructive way. Yeah. So there's so many ways of finding out what makes you tick. You know, people go, oh, I used to do that when I was high. And it's like, but you love doing that. Yeah, yeah. Why do you not do that when you're sober? Yeah. Because I do everything that I used to do when I was high sober, but I do it better. Yeah. And I remember it and I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. And I just think that when you, when a lot of people get clean and sober, they think it's the end of the road. Yeah. It's not. It's the start of the road. Yeah. It really is. Completely. There's two ways of looking at it. Like, oh, I can't go there anymore because I can't do this. I can't. You can do whatever you want. Just yeah. do it positively. It just, as soon as you get to the point of surrender and you know that you no longer want to do that way of life, Life becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Do you think that's what I'm, um, uh, I mean, I, I read that in your book with music. Yeah. You know, like music for you was um, was so caught up in drugs. Yeah. You know, so to find that love again, mm. sober. Yeah. Um, I can Incredible. relate to that because I was like, I can never play a gig with a band ever again, you know, because yeah. I, I, or like I, I released a solo record and it was a fucking disaster because I was a <laughs> druggy fucking mess. Yeah. And I was like, I can never fucking go on stage in front of anybody ever again and play music. Um, and I still battle with that occasionally. Yeah. Like I'm like, but you I always think, will. And that's a yeah. good thing because we yeah. don't get complacent. You see? Yeah. I think that nothing ever good comes from being comfortable. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, exactly. Get you comfortable I mean? being uncomfortable. Uh, totally. Yeah. And you know what? I'm really blessed with the fact that I have imposter syndrome sometimes mm. because it keeps me on my toes. Yeah. But you know, the love that work harder. I really does. Yeah. And you know, I don't turn up somewhere thinking, I'm the dog's bollocks. I, I yeah. turn up thinking, I oh my God, everyone hates me. I need to perform better. Yeah. You know, so for me, I've always got a point to prove in that yeah. sense. When people go, oh, you've got nothing to prove. It's not trying to prove anything. What it is, is actually me just dealing with that situation. And I yeah. just think that when we reconnect with our passions, yeah, that it, it it's an amazing experience because what we're doing is we're, we we get it, there's it's a real acceptance yeah of like okay I've got to this point and oh, wow this is amazing because you know for me music's the best drug that ever is in the world and it will take you to places something that you buy for 120 quid yeah. uh, won't yeah. do you get what I'm saying to absolutely you, yeah, you yeah. know it has the, it has such magical powers to mm. transport you anywhere in time yeah and you know and you know for me i learned the difference between listening and feeling right and the minute i started to feel things like i i feel music now i didn't i used to listen to it yeah yeah there was no connection absolutely it was like listening like you know yeah. uh and 
But the minute that you feel it and you start to embrace it and and it just it, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And I think when you come into recovery and you get those feelings back, do not try and squash those feelings. Yeah. You know, anger is a really good thing. Yeah. Right? We go, yeah. oh, I'm really angry. Express that anger. Yeah. Right? And deal with that anger and use that anger to, to move on, to move forward. Don't just think, oh, I'm really angry. And I'm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Channel it in the right way. Yeah. You know, those are feelings. That's what we want. Yeah. We live, we've left, we lived numb for so long, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just feel it. Just yeah. be in the moment and just think, okay, I'm really angry right now. And because when I get angry, I laugh straight away afterwards. I'm like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously, what was all that about two yeah. minutes ago? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, 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 it's, it's an emotion and they're really a magical things. And sometimes they're valid. They really are. Yeah. And it's okay to be angry. Yeah. And it's yeah. okay to be happy. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah. So many addicts think it's not okay to be happy. I remember I was in treatment and I went to an AA meeting and this guy was like, the Scottish guy was like, hey, you, you should stop laughing in meetings. You, you won't, you know, you're in recovery. Sitting laughing all the way through the meeting is not going to keep you well. And yeah. he and I remember looking at him and thinking, "Fuck off, you twat!" Yeah. And then he relapsed two weeks later yeah. after eight years or something. And I was just like, "Well, you should, maybe you should smile more." I've had a very similar experience. I was in a meeting once, and I was I was I was sharing, and it was and it was quite a funny story. And um and the guy then cross shared and shut me down and said, "This fucking kills people." People are dying. We should remember that. Oh. I was like, "Fucking hell, mate!" They're you the know? reasons. They're the reasons I don't go to those kind of meetings anymore. Yeah. I yeah. think that you know the really important thing for anyone that's struggling or anyone that's in addiction or anyone that's in recovery is find your people. Yeah. End of story. Find your people. Mm. You know, meetings aren't. I always like you know meet. Some people need meetings. Mm. Some people need beatings. Yeah, that's kind of it. And I don't mean a physical beating; I just mean a mental beating. You yeah, know? yeah. And I just think that you know, it's about finding your people. If you go somewhere and you think, "Oh my god, these people are, aren't my people," yeah, go I'm to in a fucking meeting. death sentence now. This fucking every week. Do you know what I mean? Know? Yeah, Literally. fuck that. Go and find somewhere else. Honestly, I've got to this point uh, in my. I'm, I'll be 16 years on 10th of January. Yes, and, mate. Which is mental yeah. in itself. Yeah. Absolutely mental. And I've stepped back from meetings and what I'm doing now is I'm more attached to my program mm. than I've ever been. What I found that I was doing, I was using meetings, mm. right? Instead of working, I was instead of working the program. Yeah. I'd do four or five meetings every week. Yeah. I would leave with more resentments than I went with. Yeah. I would sit in the meeting and think, I roll my eyes all the way through it. Yeah. I would leave. And it would put me into such a place of, you know. I had no anonymity. I had, I was just had to be the class clown. I had yeah. to. Everyone knew who I was. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And what I did was that attracts you know its own problems. And yeah. I, I I picked up a few stalkers, or whatever. Yeah. So I stepped back from that, and you know I I I've now got like six sponsees. I work with them. One rings me at eleven. One rings me at twelve. I so I'm more connected to my program than I've ever been. Yeah. Because I have more time for it. Yeah. And you know for me. I've I've I I found that I I've crossed that bridge yeah. to normal living. Yeah. I use those steps in every part of my life, and it, when we get to twelve steps, and it says take and use it in every area of your life, I actually use them in every area of my life now. Whereas before I wasn't. Yeah. It would get me to a meeting. I would sit and listen. I was living in the problem. I'm yeah. now in more in a solution. Amazing. And it really is a freeing thing. It's what I came in to do. Absolutely. And it's out there. You know, it's, it's, it's there for people. You mad, know. isn't it? It's so, it's so mad. You know, I, got, I, really, uh, I really get that from you. You know, I think, um, you know, how important has it been for you to, to, help, to help others, to bring that message to other people? It's everything. Mm. It's everything. You know, it, it, it just, you know, from the person that comes up to me in the queue in Sainsbury's and says to me, oh, I, you know, I was, I was abused and I'm like, wow, I'm in Sainsbury's to yeah. buy cheese. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, now's not the time to tell me that, but you know, maybe take my number and talk to me about it. Yeah. And they never call. Right. Cause they, they said what they needed, they to, needed say. to say, but you know what? That's enough for them right yeah. now. Yeah. And that in itself is, is a miracle that someone can say that stuff. Mm. And then when it comes to recovery and people message me, and I mean, I, my inbox is always open and I get so many messages on a daily basis and I try to respond to every one of them. Yeah. And the amount of people that say, oh, I've just read your book and my, my mom or my brother or my son have got problems or have died yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And um, 
you know, it's a miracle that people have found that book and they can accept it for what it yeah, is. And there is, I really thought I was going to get slated when I wrote that book. I really thought really? that people were going to be like, oh God, you know, or just, you know, not relate to it. And the yeah. amount of people that related to it, you know what it is? Honesty is the best policy. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. The fact that I got honest for the first time in my life yeah. and decided to put it into a book is, 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 um, that's the answer to it all because yeah. I've just been honest and I, you know, I think that happiness comes from honesty. Completely. You know. How, and I'm, for the fact that I'm sitting here saying that because I lied on lies. I didn't even know what the truth was. People wouldn't even ask me the time because I would lie yeah. about what time <laughs> yeah. it was. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh yeah, it's seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, just the minute that you get honest and that, uh, with with yourself, is the minute you can get honest with everyone else. Completely. You know, I felt that so much. Um, I, I went to the Attitude Awards and I yeah, sat there. Oh. I was um, I was at um, I was working and I went to um, I went after work. So I arrived about just after quarter past ten or something. I sat there through you know random shit, and then you came on, oh. and you your speech was so fucking brilliant. Thank it was, you. It was honest. Yeah. And it was about shame. And it spoke to, I think, everyone in the room because there's so much bravado around certain things and there's so much kind of um, hidden stuff that we keep to ourselves. But you you talked about shame and you allowed it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you allow people to, to feel it from you. And, um, and, it, and it, it, was, it was a fantastic speech. And thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. I, it was really, really powerful. Because, oh, I, you. I, you know, I, that was another one of those I sit laid awake for three days thinking, what are you going to say for your acceptance speech, Tony? Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mention that. I'm going to mention this. I'm not going to mention... Yeah. I could get up there and tell the world about recovery. And I didn't even talk about recovery. I talked about yeah. the shame that I've had to carry with. And yeah. I didn't write anything down. And, you know, and there's, I came off thinking, oh, it's the worst speech I've ever done. And people really loved that speech. It was yeah. like, because I was so honest. Exactly. You know. It's all about honesty. Yeah, you know what? It mm. kind of just, I didn't give a fuck what anyone thought in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was there to get my award for, for the, the best book, which is just mental in itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And to be accepted by my community, because you don't really get accepted by your community. Yeah. You know, they'd much rather go, oh, it's shit, you know, try and tear you down. Like, yeah. you know. In, in most, in most, in most communities. communities, of course. And yeah. To find that acceptance from attitude was was a really amazing thing. Yeah. And I just didn't think that I was going to get there and do the usual acceptance speech at a gay, uh, uh, an attitude award speech. You know, like you know, we're queer, we're here. You know, blah blah yeah. blah speech. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I just wanted to be honest. Yeah. And I kind of thought, you know, at first they it was it. They were all talking, and then by the end, I you could have heard a pin drop You've in heard there. A fucking pin drop, exactly. <laughs> and I got a standing ovation, which yeah. I was like, "Wow!" I didn't even yeah. look at the crowd. Absolutely. Courtney was like, "You, you made me cry, bitch!" And I was like, oh, <laughs> "Good, <laughs> do you know what I mean?" Yeah, making Courtney cry is a big thing. It yeah. fucking is. <laughs> too right, too right. You know, um, uh, Tony, thank you so much oh, for thank this. You. Thank you really, um, and thank you for your book. I've, I've loved it. I've loved listening to you. I'm going to go and read it again and and look at the pictures this time because there's amazing pictures in there. Um, you know, this is called On The Men, this podcast, and I think it kind of relates to all kinds of things. You know, mm. it can be addiction, it can be anything you're kind of going through. You know, from it's very hard to give one kind of tip or one kind of thing to kind of take away. But if you were going to speak to the listener who might be struggling in mm. something, what would you think that one thing would be? Go find your people. Yeah. 100%. You know, if you're in a circle of people and they, they encourage you to do things that you shouldn't be doing or you're in a circle of people that put you down or make you feel less than, they're not your people. Yeah. They're not your people. However much your head will tell them who they are. If you're in a relationship with someone that makes you feel shit to make themselves feel better, mm. he, she, they are not your people. Yeah. That's all I'd say. You know, Find your people. Find your people. Go, you know, the minute you do, own it and just accept, you know, draw a line under it and move on. It's There's a massive world out there. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's for living in. Brilliant. Tony, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Yes, DJ Fat Tony. I mean, what a bloke. That, I mean, he is such a cool guy. I mean, he's... He's equally terrifying and immaculate. You know, he's just like, 
he's a shining example of recovery, you know, in a very forceful way. It's quite intimidating, but he's amazing. He's incredible. I love it. His book, I Don't Take Requests, is an amazing read. Like if you if you don't read his audio book, is read by him, and it's like if you liked what you heard, you're gonna absolutely love this book. It's fantastic. If you've been affected by anything you heard in today's episode, there are links, guidance, advice, and organizations that can help you in today's episode description. I hope you're enjoying this series so far. Please remember to follow and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review because I've heard that that makes a massive difference because people keep banging on about it at the end of podcasts. So if you want to help us out, leave a review because apparently it's awesome. I'll be back next week and my guest will be Liz Carter, one of the UK's leading gambling addiction experts. Going to be a goodie. See you then. Listener.